and welcome to the BPD Bunch Brunch, where we get together with our favorite brunchy beverages to catch up, play games, and talk about all things BPD. I'm your host, Danny, and today I am here with Jess, Madurama, Nen, and Anapala. Where in the world is everyone coming from today? Oh, and what's your brunchy beverage? I'm in Toronto, and I have some green tea in my cat mug. Oh my gosh, it's so cute! I am from Kolkata in India. My Frenchie beverage is water, as usual. And uh, yeah, I'm in London, uh, UK, um, but I'm originally from Sao Paulo, Brazil. I have got my go-to drink, my favorite drink, with, which is uh, iced black tea lemonade, best drink in the world. I am drinking Cavi in my little cup cup. And I am from Takaranto or Toronto, um, but I originally come from Neoshingaming, which is a reserve in north, southwestern Ontario, Canada. This episode is one of our BPD Plus episodes where we're talking about different um, areas of intersectionality. And today we're talking about mental health and race and access to mental health. We're all coming from parts of the world um, that have a really heavy settler colonial presence. If you're not part of that dominant um, culture, or if you're not part of like a, so a higher socioeconomic um, part of that society, it can be really, really difficult to find racially and culturally responsive mental health care. Um, so we are going to be hearing from the BPD bunch, including two new um, two new guests that we have for this episode. So I'm just going to point it over to each of you, um, and if you could do like a just a short introduction on who you are um, and you know, why you're here. Nan. So actually, I'm just going to say, I don't actually know Nan. Like we are just meeting and speaking kind of for the first time. I've been following her ever since I started my own um, BPD Instagram page. And you are one of the only people who I've seen do that, like talk about that intersection of indigeneity and BPD. And I just love everything you put out there. Miigwech. Um, uh, which means thank you in my native language. Um, Ani, hello, I'm Nan McLeod. I'm from Ontario, Canada. I'm 36 years old. I'm an Indigenous queer um, Anishinaabe adoptee. My pronouns are she, her. And I was diagnosed with BPD five years ago in 2018 after a diabolical breakup. I was diagnosed uh, pretty quickly doing what I do now um, with my nonprofit work. I am I have questions now based on everything that I do, I, I do know now based on my intersections and my indigeneity and just the sy systemic uh, oppression that is still so deeply woven into Canada's institutions and governments. Um, I have two children and I think that's good for now. I am Ana Paula. I am originally from Brazil. I now live in London. Uh, I left a stable life behind to pursue my dream of being a live music events professional here in London. I've been diagnosed as a BPD 2021 after so many years being misdiagnosed. My whole experience with BPD is intrinsically uh, attached to race and my experience with race in life trying to find ways on how I could express myself in order to uh, help other people not to feel lonely. And I reached out to Zenny because I was just like, okay, maybe that's a start. Maybe we can do something together. And now, yeah, I'm here. 
I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. <laughs> Anna, you said you were, you said how like, you know, your even your diagnosis of BPD and your experience of BPD is like really linked to your experience of of race. First of all, just like disclaimer, I guess, I think like being Latina, that's not that's not a race, right? That's like my ethnicity. And I'm um, a very light skinned Latina. And my experience when I'm in Nicaragua is very, very different than my experience when I'm in Canada. Um, when I'm in Canada, I'm a lot, you know, more othered and it's kind of like a mix. A lot of people who have BPD, you know, you have a lot of experiences where you're just invalidated. You have to kind of change yourself, mask yourself. It's a lot of emotional invalidation, a lot of invalidation of like your identity. And I grew up with the assimilation mindset, right? My mom had immigrated here. She needed to survive here. She kind of held like Canadian culture up as this on this pedestal of like, you know, what we should be achieving. When I was little, I was surrounded by Latinos. I was surrounded by family members. There was Cubans and Nicaraguans everywhere. And the older I got, the less that got. Um, and that created a lot of like, um, that was something that was quite traumatic for me, was was being removed in that way and becoming more and more displaced. I can agree with you on that, Jess. I'm actually, my sister and I are part of the Millennial Scoop here in Canada, which the child welfare system here in Canada took Indigenous children away from their families and communities and put them with um, non-Indigenous uh, foster families. So me and my sister went through that. We didn't connect back to our culture. I actually am still connecting now at 36. I'm just decolonizing now and kind of taking back my um, my voice and my, my roots. How do you think that relates with your BPD? Oh, it's at the forefront or the common denominator. I can identify with loads of what your girls uh, have just said. I mean, Brazil was composed of like indigenous people and then the Portuguese came. And they, they kind of say they have like discovered the country, but there were already people there speaking hundreds of languages, occupying the country. And then the process of black slavery have started. Black people were marginalized and enslaved and uh, their cultural roots, cultural roots and etc. were just kind of like removed of their lives and they had to kind of, kind of know they had to uh, find ways to survive and to adapt themselves uh, to live in the in the colonial era of Brazil. In Brazil, I am considered mixed race. So my dad is white and my dad, my mom is black, but both of them uh, have grown up in a low income um, environment. I am an only child, so they made everything they could to pay for my education. Yeah, I studied in a, a private school where everyone was white. So basically I was just like only the black girl for like years in my uh in my ear or in my classroom i didn't know who i was because if i was black and if i was if i kind of like uh expressed manifested my culture in uh in the environment of my in my school in my school environment that was wrong or that was just like invalidated and uh the opposite like my family or my cousins that were still in that place of like social um opportunity deprivation they couldn't understand like the things that i brought from my school environment it kind of like creates a confusion and only when i got my bpd diagnosis i could actually realize that these experiences were 
mostly responsible to to kind of like uh, make me uh, develop this uh, these things in my head that brought me to uh, being diagnosed as a BPD. Anna Paula, I was listening to your country's history and it was really interesting to me because Indian history is like so old it goes back to the ancient times like the times of early civilizations and everything it was like the colonial thing that brought in the concept of racism and casteism and the socio-economic divisions i mean the social status were there but i think they got aggravated when we got colonized by the british people it's not that racism was non-existent but definitely when you get invaded by a foreign power who believe that they are superior because of the color of their skin, we are the ones powerful enough to rule over you. So the kind of way we dress, the kind of food we eat, the way we talk, it's all an example of like how inferior you are compared to us. And I think this is a component of colonial behavior that is still there like if you have somebody and the fairer shade of brown they're supposed to be prettier and if you have somebody on the darker shade of the skin they're supposed to be unlucky then oh my god you have everything but not the light skin i grew up hearing that from so many people and i think like the most difficult part are like the most difficult barrier that I had while I was trying to like reach out for my mental health was that none of the people here kind of believed that mental health was an important enough thing to be talked about. It's not supposed to be a problem. Like you can deal with it. We have dealt with it. We have dealt with harsh situations. We have been trauma victims of war, of famine, of floods, and we have dealt with it. And you're our children and you're supposed to deal with it as well. My mom is, you know, she immigrated here with the idea of kind of like having more opportunity, right? Getting away from war, getting away from poverty, and came with the idea of idealization of whiteness, right? Of wanting to marry into a white family, of of wealth, of money, like all these things kind of come together in your head. Regardless of the fact that there's so much more at play, it's so, so hard for me to find a therapist that understands my culture, that understands where I come from. Um, I've only ever managed to find one therapist who was actually able to also infuse into um, into therapy with me, like spirituality and what that means for me and how I learned about spirituality in my family and, you know, who who was able to really conceptualize themselves, like what it means to come from an immigrant family, what it means to constantly be in survivor like mentality. And it was because she came from a similar history as me. When I talk about access for me and my experience, it's like access to appropriate mental health care where I don't feel like I have to separate, okay, I've got this like westernized mental, mental illness, which is being treated, but then there's like the rest of my life. Like, I feel like I'm constantly having to do that separation instead of being able to engage with it more holistically and in a culturally relevant way. And then there's like the second piece of like, okay, my family and, you know, Latinos are um, very ableist, very racist. Like we are, we, are, we still haven't come to terms with all the ways that we have oppressed and have been oppressed. And 
you know, when, when you come from a culture that is like that, a lot of things are repressed within your family. You don't talk about mental health. Nothing is wrong with you. If you need to seek, seek mental health care, um, you know, it's shameful. It's like, we're supposed to be more resilient than that. We're supposed to be stronger than that. We can't show white people that we're weak. You're supposed to appear strong all of the time. And then it's like our family, our parents and grandparents generations made it through so many really difficult challenges. And now I'm at this state where like, you know, no, I'm not living in a war zone, um, but I'm dealing with the impacts of all of that. And I'm going to call it mental health and I'm going to start treating my mental health. But my culture doesn't really know how to talk about it in, in that way. Were you able to find therapists that looked like you in any way? And like, how did that impact your own, your own experience? No, and by that time, being young like that, I didn't even think like that because I didn't have this kind of like racial and um, social uh, awakening, you know, inside me. This is something that only happened like, I don't know, maybe four years ago in terms of like looking for a therapist that looked like me and could have some kind of empathy with what I lived because I've been treated by white professionals my whole life almost and it was only like uh, in 2020 or 2019 that I had my first black therapist and when I was diagnosed with BPD in 2021 I, uh, my, my psychiatrist, she said, okay, so you have to have this kind of like special therapy called, uh, DBT. Yeah. I was just like, okay, but I need to find a, a black therapist that works with that. And I felt, I already felt nervous asking this question because I felt that my psychiatrist, she felt really embarrassed because she was like, I don't know any black professionals that work with that. But I mean, like I have never had, uh, a black psychiatrist and uh yeah and uh, to find like a black therapist specialized on dbt that was what i needed to have which is like so hard i'm always finding that i'm choosing between my my indigeneity and my mental health there is no uh, services out there as of yet around me here in um canada that encompass all of that. I work for an organization now that um, that does that now. However, we're small and um, we're only just uh, this, this little thing in this like big pond. I learned at the beginning of this year that um, my way of thinking of my disability of BPD was so westernized and so colonized that I had to really look inward and understand what disability meant in my life and what BPD meant for me and my indigeneity and from my diagnosis in 2018 I always wondered if they just kind of slapped a label on me because I was indigenous and if they were really intentional about actually finding out what was at the core of my trauma I guess and what was I and what was I and what I was exhibiting um, at that time. I can only imagine what it feels like to be a part of the minority in a country like the US or Canada, but like, like I'm not a minority where I'm coming from. While I was being diagnosed, my therapists were saying that you probably don't realize it as of yet, but, uh, these, these things that happened in your childhood, they have had an impact on your mental health and, 
on your brain as you were growing up. And I felt like such an imposter because I'm like, that can't be right because um, a lot of kids my age are a lot of people who grew up with me face the same kind of things. So uh, what does it mean for me that I get the diagnosis of a personality disorder? It kind of made me feel like um, acting too privileged, if that makes sense. It's it's like a problem for for the privileged people, not like not something that 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 is so common for us. Like, yeah, um, parental neglect. Everybody everybody kind of has it in their checklist. Like, um, abuse, history of abuse. Yes. It's like, oh my god, like grow up. Like that was the general attitude. So yeah, that was that was kind of what I faced and. It's funny because when I told my therapist all of this, she gave me a book about BPD and it was all examples of like um, some 35-year-old white woman decided to like uh, scream at her husband and run away from the house and then there was this like 40-year-old shoplifter or something like that and when I was first reading the book, I, I gave it to my therapist and I was like, I don't relate to this. I don't think you're diagnosing. I have the right diagnosis. And that's when she told me one thing that really struck with me is that this is a book that is written by someone from a first world country. And these are examples of people they have seen in those countries with the kind of resources they have, with the kind of background they grew up in. These are these examples and you don't necessarily need to resonate with them to just validate your diagnosis so you're still who you are it's just you need a different set of skill to deal with it so many people have had that experience right where you read a couple of examples and it's like well that's not me because there are so many different things that influence us to be the way that we are right and and in every episode like there's a lot that overlaps but there's a lot of differences too and and our our culture and and our backgrounds and where we live all these different things they play such a big role in how these things express themselves which is why telling all these stories is so important it's very easy to like instead of calling it out like oh no you're experiencing the impacts of racism you're experiencing the impacts of immigration you're experiencing the impacts of colonization you're experiencing the impacts of residential schooling of like of generations of, you know, your parents lived through war, you're experiencing the impacts of that. Instead of naming that and calling that out, it's like, okay, here's a label, you've got a mental illness, like now go seek treatment. I was really, really appreciative when I first heard about BPD, because I was like, yeah, these are all my symptoms. Um, but it took me a while, like maybe a year in, I was kind of like, okay, this isn't actually going deep enough for me. I, you know, why am I, why do I get covered through my work to go see a therapist, but I don't get covered to go, you know, see healers, or I don't get covered to go to like get more holistic, you know, community building around me, or I don't, all the things that I actually need, you know? Tiny pause. Um, um, you get covered at work to see therapists? Yeah. <laughs> We have health insurance. You can get insured for for different doctors and specialists and therapists and stuff. I haven't been to therapy in two months and I can't even get a break. I have to write an application saying I'm very, very sick, which has to be a physical illness, like because otherwise you don't get a I am so sorry you're going through this because it's the worst feeling ever. I think from what Zanny said about how 
like our lived experiences really kind of encompass how our BPD shows and how other people perceive it. But a lot goes into that like social location, your other intersections, if you're a woman, if you're queer, like what you look like, dark skin, light skin. When you try to like understand all of that, but then you have the westernized, colonized um, mental health care sector deem that not valid is very traumatic in itself. In my culture, there's no word for disability. Like in my language, we don't have a word for disability. Um, we don't have a word for um, BPD. I'm sure we had mental health, but we just, it was seen in a different way and we dealt with it in a different way. So, so now we're trying to incorporate that because obviously intergenerational trauma and genocide and colonization, we're kind of like building up our pillars again and trying to dismantle the systems that made us vulnerable in the first place. So it's definitely, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go still. I like how you said like building your pillars back up, right? And it's like, how do you bring, how do you bring your, your culture into your mental wellness? How do I incorporate my own forms of, of wholeness and spirituality with my, with my wellness, I guess. I find I connect the dots a lot and like I have a lot of aha moments and I'm like, holy crap, okay. <laughs> like connecting the dots from my like past traumas to like my current behaviors and where I am in my BPD journey of recovering and healing, so. I don't think there's a way that each human being or each therapist or each mental health professional uh, is going to understand 100% the experience of a certain ethnical or social uh, group. But I think there are, way are ways these people can be trained to uh, empathize with that. You just don't want to go to a professional and just like talk about this and then hear stuff like, oh, but we are, we are all human. Oh, but everyone has been through a pain like that or everyone has been uh, through, a spirit, through an experience similar uh, to that. And then you're just like, no, but that's not what I'm saying. Kind of like, it's like not, it doesn't translate. Then I was just like, I need to talk to a person who at least has been to the same experiences I've been uh, as a black mixed race girl or as a black person in order that I don't have to spend half of the session trying to explain explain to them why it does feel like that, why I feel like I don't have an identity or like why I feel like I have multiple identities and none of them is accepted by just like the other. It's, it's, it's crazy. So like we cannot be treated as human beings. We cannot be treated as the same because we have biological features in common, but we need to be treated as individuals. Thank you for bringing that up. To find Indigenous or BIPOC therapists who kind of understand the lived experiences and who can help us in the ways that that we need um, is almost like a catch-22. Like, I am now doing what I needed when I was, when I was younger. 
And so for me to get to hear all those years and all the healing and all the decolonizing, I'm 36 and I'm just starting to like, I feel like make making ways in, in my recovery, in my healing. And so Indigenous therapists are like far and few between. On top of that, if you do have an Indigenous therapist, they probably most likely have trauma themselves that they have to um, work through and process themselves. And so here in Canada, we have residential schools and um, uh, the children who are being found in, in mass graves across um, Turtle Island those bring up more, more trauma. So they need to heal and then they can't help you if they're not healing. So it's just this catch 22 that like, where is it ever gonna just, just be okay? To think of that in the cultural context and the racial context of Brazil, it, it's just like, it's mind blowing because most of people that look like me in my country, they are in prisons, they are in ghettos. They, and that in Brazil we call favelas, people keep being denied uh, access to the basic and mainly mental health care. In, in Canada here, there's, I think, 24 reserves in just Ontario, actually, um, that don't have clean drinking water. So for years. So I have actually a little cousin who's 15 and they've never ever had clean drinking water. They have to boil their water. Their reserve has been under a boil water advisory for 15 plus years. Um, so just just even getting that basic necessity, um, I think like environmental disability is huge here in, in Canada. Um, the Northern communities, we can't even get services out there because they're so remote no one wants to go out there. The government doesn't want to pay people to go out there. How are we supposed to give them their mental health services if we can't even give them clean water? And it's really hard to separate. It's really hard to separate like your own person. Like you can't separate your own personal story from that of other people who look like you or from your family, from you know other people in your society, your community. There's such a big distrust for institutions and for like mental health care. The connection to like, how can you be mentally well when like, you know, you're struggling to keep your, just your culture and your society and your communities mentally well. And that's why, like, I always come back to community. When I'm thinking about all of this stuff, I always come back to community. Like, I feel better when I'm more connected with, with people who I love, who are around me, when I'm more connected with people who have similar experiences with me, when I can lift them up and they can lift me up, like, when we can work through things together. Like, even though I've kind of gone through the mental health care system, I'm like, I've become, because of my cultural background and my experiences, my family's experiences, I've become more resistant to continue to go through the, the like medical system and instead trying to shift my like mental health care to, to the communities I have around me instead. When I started reconnecting with my culture, I reclaimed my, my spirit name, I reclaimed my, um, my community uh, my family, because I'm adopted as well. Um, so my spirit name is Gijigwe Makwa, which means loud bear. Um, so just incorporating my roots within my healing has 
I've done so much healing the last year. I've actually taken some time off for my nonprofit work because it is so, I don't want to say taxing, but so, yeah, heavy that I need, like, I gotta step back and really look inward and take that self-care seriously so I can help the next generation as well as my kids break the cycle. So... I feel like if you have yet to reconnect with your roots and culture, y'all should. <laughs> I'm very internally impacted by all of my physical displacement, like, you know, across the world and also my like cultural displacement through immigration. And I think my BPD has a lot to do with being rooted in that lack of sense of community. Um, so that's something I'm like constantly trying to find in different places. Um, so I really like Nan, your suggestion of like, get more in touch with your roots. The moment I started connecting to where I am and where I am right now and how my culture or my identity as a person in this country or where I work and how I live and how what values I have and what I've been taught since I was a kid. I mean, there's like good parts and bad parts and all the things, right? But I think I've been doing better at like holding on to the ones that are connecting me to my roots and are also working towards the betterment of my mental health. And that's been, that's been really, it's given me a sense of peace. Like it's, kind of made me believe that yes it's possible to be happy where you are like right here and right now and that's probably the thing that matters because like the past is in the past and you don't know what the future holds so gotta make peace with what you got at this point well as many black women my uh, healing experience is much attached to my hair so five years ago even though I wasn't, uh, I still wasn't, I still hadn't been diagnosed. I started to wear my natural hair and wear braids and more just like black hair uh, protective styles, Afro hair protective styles. And uh, I guess that for me, the experience is that I needed to understand that I was black amongst many other things. But in the black movement in Brazil, that is just like there's a certain way that you 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 need to act or you need to dress or certain stuff that you need to do to be considered black. And I guess for me, I it brings me a lot of questions because half of my family was white, half of my family was black. So to me, it just came like a looking at myself and saying, okay, so I have been assimilating so many things from just like we, what we consider white culture and I kind of like cannot erase that but I can also cannot erase the fact that I'm black and that I have uh, aspects of that culture as well so it's like I am all of that and I have to accept that I am all of that this is my background this is how I've been brought up these are the experience the experiences I've had and this makes me who I am I mean like I'm not only just one thing but yeah definitely stopped stopping saying to myself that being black and that my hair was wrong and that my skin color was wrong started start working this mindset 
that are just like, I am capable. I'm not less than anyone else. It definitely helped. It's like giving yourself permission to show up as you are in, in these spaces. I really like what you said there. <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> I don't think we've even really touched the surface of how heavy it is. So I appreciate you all like sharing. I just wanted to say thanks for the opportunity, like from the bottom of my soul and heart. And uh, this is also like something very difficult to talk about as, as we've been uh, pointing out, but at the same time, it's so necessary. And I feel so relieved. For the viewers out there, if you feel like um, you're experiencing this, I just wanted to tell you all that it's valid like however you feel and whatever you feel and like any background you come from and like we all said all of our experiences are so different but you still have people and you still have a community that's us so that's there's a hopeful note on that i think that's what makes this podcast so different and special because we have all different backgrounds and Zanny, like just opening up this space and just and just being able to like listen and just be able to not grant us the space, but like just open up this dialogue and needed conversation around these issues so that the next generation or even even our peers can navigate these systems that um, weren't built for us. So thank you again, BPD Bunch for doing this. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Hopefully if you're watching, you come away from this episode feeling less alone and that there is hope for the future. The more we talk about these things, the more we can change the world for the better so that everyone can feel like there is space for them wherever they are. So thank you again so much for watching. Make sure that you like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so you don't miss the so you don't miss a single episode. Next week we will be back for another brunch doing a QA. So we will see you then. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.